Hello and welcome into the mashup, your number one source for sports, gaming, and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and oh my god, I can finally live up to that tagline again. Thank god, it has been a long, long four and a half months. I didn't get to watch March Madness, I didn't get to have the Masters on in the background while well, having Easter with my family. I didn't get to watch opening day, the real opening day. I didn't get I didn't get to watch the Flyers run through the playoffs and potentially win a Stanley Cup because before everything shut down, they were the hottest team in the NHL. I didn't get any of that. But now fate swings the other way and sports are back in our lives. Finally. <laughs> I mean, like I said on Tuesday's show, MLS and NWSL were actually the first to come back, and they did a great job coming back. That World Cup format was a genius idea. Obviously, uh, PLL and uh, NLL, they came back, and they did awesome work for the sport of lacrosse, which even as not a diehard fan, as a Marylander, I have to appreciate. <laughs> because... Like, Sure, the, the Iroquois created it, and they get all the credit for creating it, but Maryland has adopted the modern version of the game that's significantly different from the version they created as its own. And I I can respect what they're doing, because sometimes you get some really flashy stuff in that game. But the big four are the big four. And... Even though baseball was playing, it's the same type of thing. Where even even that it's just a sixty game season, baseball is so weird that they play every day. Like every team plays basically every day. You can't really break down each individual game. You have to look at it over stretches. Those stretches are much shorter this season. Usually three to five games rather than like eight to ten. But. The NBA, the NHL, they are returning. College football seems to have figured out a way that they can actually play this year. It'll look a lot different, but there's going to be college football. The NFL stops for nothing and no one. I've been saying that this entire time. They're definitely going to play. But finally, sports are back in our lives. It took so so long but let's let's actually get into this first thing the haters the doubters the attention whore dr fauci and politicians of the world have been proven wrong that the nba bubble did in fact work now after this is over i'd rather never use the term bubble in a sports context outside of the ncaa tournament ever again like, there's there's a list, a growing list of banned words and phrases, and other than buzz, other than bubble, most of them are like obnoxious buzzwords or phrases. Flatten the curve, social distancing, respiratory droplets. I never want to hear those words again, <laughs> ever. I literally never want to hear those stupid buzz phrases again after this is over. 
But for this year, the the bubble did in fact work because they've been getting no positive test results in Orlando, despite the fact that people are occasionally breaking the rules to go get wings from strip clubs in Atlanta. Now, that's not the reason he went to Atlanta, to be fair, but he still got wings from a strip club in Atlanta. But there have been no positive results. We have video of Jimmy Butler getting in a canoe and falling and screaming like a small child, which was also amazing. Like that video of, of Jimmy Butler in the canoe that tipped over and he started screaming because he can't swim. Which one, if you can't swim, don't get in a canoe. Those things are tiny and for full-grown athletes, those things are going to tip over. But it was like, it was maybe two feet of water. <laughs> like, on very tall Jimmy Butler, that water may have come up to, like, his knee if he stood up. <laughs> like, that water was very clearly not that deep. Like, you could see it on the video. Like, I think his shoulder actually landed on ground when he when he fell out of the boat and the rest of him was still a like the rest of his chest and upper body was still above water <laughs> but the the video itself was absolutely amazing but the bubble worked all the haters back in April who were saying the NBA is not coming back till next fall at the earliest like we're just gonna lose the entire 2021 season which I don't think we are I think it'll start in December with and I think I think they're gonna play a full 82 game season in the 2020 2021 season. It's gonna start in December, but it's gonna be a full season. They're just gonna let it go a little bit longer. And if that goes well, December to July will just be the regular league calendar, which honestly it should be, because they're just winding. They would be just winding their season down, getting close to the playoffs, while the NHL is doing Stanley Cup stuff, like. That would be perfect. Start the NHL in October, have it run through like the beginning of June if you're going if you're talking all the way to the end of the playoffs. And then start the NBA in December and have that run through like mid-July. That would be a way better calendar for the NBA because you can play basketball year-round. Indoor or outdoor, you can well the NBA, you can play year-round. It does not have to be a winter sport that ends at like the very end of spring. It can, it can start in December and end in July. Like that would actually be incredible because you wouldn't have the NBA finals and the Stanley cup finals at the same time either. I think, uh, I think the network, I think both leagues would actually be more happy with that, but that's, that's another conversation for, uh, what little bit of an off season we're going to get this year. <laughs> Cause this season's technically going to end in like mid September. They're going to have a couple months to turn this around and start it again. If they want to start like right before Christmas, which would kind of be amazing because you start the season and then boom, Christmas games, same thing with the NHL. You start the season, boom, winter classic. That would be a lot of fun, <laughs> but this weird, weird version of the playoffs where 22 teams are going to 
finish some semblance of a regular season before you go into the regular 16-team playoffs because those 22 teams have have not been, were not eliminated from contention when the season shut down. Which I get. But, I mean, the Lakers are going to win this whole thing, right? Like, isn't their only challenge really the Clippers? And no one else? That's, that's the thing. Like, the Lakers are still probably going to win this whole thing. And that was the result I was expecting on March 9th, before everything shut down. Like, on March 9th, I would have said, the Lakers are my pick to win the championship right now. And now as I sit here on July 30th when I'm recording this, and we still haven't crowned an NBA champion yet, I can say... It's probably going to be the Lakers. They're just too good. We traded one unkillable Titan for another. And guess what? That other unkillable Titan is coming back next season because they're probably going to get the first overall pick. Plus a healthy Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, who are two of the best players in the world. So the Warriors are just going to bounce back after one year of sucking. And the Lakers are still going to be good. Now, if they don't win it this year and Anthony Davis walks and goes to Chicago or anywhere else, basically, then the Lakers will fall back to earth because LeBron would not be able to do everything on his own. We saw that in Cleveland. He's got some talented young guys around him, but they're not ready to help LeBron win a title. Like... We saw what happened in Cleveland with guys who weren't really capable of winning a championship. LeBron carried them there, and then they got gassed. Now, they don't have to worry so much about that because he doesn't have to overexert himself on offense that he can't do as much defending because there's other offensive options on that team. And when he needs to defend like a Kawhi Leonard, or if they make it this far, a Jimmy Butler. If the Bucks make it that far, a Giannis. If the Sixers make it that far, Embiid. Like, he could, he gives up a few inches in height, but LeBron James could guard Joel Embiid if he absolutely had to. He would probably end up guarding Simmons. Oh, wait, Anthony Davis could guard Embiid. He would end up guarding Simmons, which, in that situation, he has about a three-inch height advantage. And... He wouldn't need to worry about that that much offensive production because even with his newfound ability to shoot threes and I saw the shot, his form looks a lot better. His form looks a lot better in some of those scrimmage games. Like that one he hit that blew the roof off Wells Fargo Center because it was the first three he hit in his entire NBA career. That thing still looked like a dying duck. It just happened to go in. Like, these that he was making in the scrimmage games actually had good form and and good follow-through. Like, it looked like the shot of a professional basketball player, even one who's not amazing at threes. Like, you see guys who aren't amazing at threes, their form is still okay. They're just not very accurate. Simmons' form, up until now, sucked. 
And I think he's finally figured it out. It only took a global pandemic and the NBA shutting everything down for four and a half months for him to finally learn how to correctly shoot a three-pointer from NBA distance. Now, if by some miracle of God, the Sixers make the NBA Finals and meet the Lakers there, which is the likely outcome for whoever comes out of the Eastern Conference, he will have trouble because he will be guarded by LeBron James. And even if he can shoot threes, his primary game is driving, which uh, would not go well against LeBron James. So even if by some miracle of God, if the Sixers make it that far, I want them to win. I will be very excited if they win. I'd also be very shocked if they won. (laughs) One, I don't think they're coming out of the East. I think Boston is a nightmare matchup for them. And Boston is going to haunt them for the rest of Jason Tatum's career. (laughs) Because they could have had Jason Tatum. They could have had Tatum. And they traded up to take faults. You traded up to get the guy Boston didn't want. Tatum was always Boston's guy. Fultz would have been there at three if he was yours. But now you, you trade up to the first overall pick and you take Markel Fultz. Could have had Jason Tatum. Because Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid is a championship. That's, that's just a fact. Those three combined are a championship caliber team. Because Tatum can shoot, Simmons can drive, and Bede's a dominant center. I still will question that decision for the rest of my life as a Sixers fan. Because they could have won two or three championships by now. With with that roster. Boston could very well come out of the East this year too. Boston and Miami. Like, the Sixers, Boston... Heat and Bucks are kind of like the top four. They are the top four in the Eastern Conference standings too, I believe. It's been forever since I've checked the NBA standings. But let's let's see uh, what the NBA standings actually look like. See who's where. Oh, they are not the top four in the East. The top four in the East is... Uh, I was close. It is not the Sixers. It's Toronto. The Sixers are the... Uh, six not the uh, they're at the moment the six and yeah totally forgot about Toronto that team is even without Kawhi even without the robot with the weird laugh they're still ridiculously good because Pascal Siakam freak of nature Fred Van Vliet freak of nature (laughs) that that team is still really good even without Kawhi now, are they as good? No, obviously not. But are they capable of beating the Lakers? Probably not. But they could get there. I think it's between those five. I would say the top four in the East plus the Sixers. And if Oladipo decides to play for the Pacers because he's been kind of waffling back and forth on... Because he could play, but he might not be 
at 100%. And it could be better to just continue rehabbing and get ready for next season. So it's a, he's still weighing the options as far as I know. Now, if Oladipo comes back, the Pacers have a real chance to get out of the East because the rest of that team is really good, but they're also the supporting cast to Oladipo. If he's there, that team could beat anybody. That team probably wouldn't, but they potentially could beat the Lakers. Like, that might actually be the worst matchup for the Lakers coming out of the Eastern Conference. Them and them and maybe the Heat. Because Jimmy Butler is one of the few people, along with, like, Kawhi Leonard, who can guard LeBron to some extent. Even if he can't completely shut him down. Because that's impossible. You, you cannot shut down LeBron James. But Jimmy Butler is one of the few people that can guard him pretty well. So if the the Heat are the ones to come out of the East, that would be an interesting matchup to watch. And I know LeBron James does not want to face the uh, the Trailblazers because that's that's a bad matchup for them too. Like Portland's a really bad matchup for the Lakers <laughs> because they have. They have ridiculously quick guards that LeBron can't really defend because they're a lot shorter than him and they can cut around him pretty easily. So he would have to rely on the rest of his team to do something about them. Now, if Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum tried to drive the lane too much without doing really anything about uh, Anthony Davis, then they'd be in trouble because... He's so much taller than them. He could just jump and whack. And if he had to, LeBron could do that big chase down block he he does and has basically perfected. Like, he has perfected that art form of, of the big chase down block. Like, it existed before LeBron James, but he perfected that move. That move right there is, despite being one of his most iconic moments, is a really underrated part of his skill set is the big chase down block. But my pick right now is the Lakers. I think it's going to be Lakers Clippers in the Western Conference semis. And that's going to be a war. And whoever wins that will probably become NBA champion. But that that series is going to be an absolute dogfight. Like that's going to be amazing basketball to watch like Lakers versus Clippers. That's going to be incredible. And coming out of the East, it's much harder to pick. Like the West is basically down to those two teams. The East, if Oladipo comes back right now, the Pacers are my pick. They're a little lower in the seating, but if Oladipo comes back, the Pacers could definitely win the East. And then Boston, Toronto, Miami, and Philly are all have pretty high potential to be the team representing the Eastern Conference. It's varying levels. Even as a Sixers fan, I don't have too much faith in them because I think they need a true point guard. If they can get their hands on a true point guard this offseason, next season I'd be a little bit higher on them. Because you get a point guard, you can move... Ben Simmons to the three 
and have him play small forward. And on top of that, your defense immediately gets better because you can put Shake Milton on the bench. Not Shake Milton, Tobias Harris. You can put Tobias Harris on the bench. Who, I love Tobias Harris. He is a great player, but he is a bit of a liability on defense. Just, just a bit of a liability on defense. He's a great offensive player. But his defense leaves a lot to be desired. And if you bring him in as, if you move him down to six man, I think you would have a lot more success with that because a far better defender would be playing the three rather than probably your, your two best defenders playing point guard center. And you take some of the offensive burden off of Simmons too, because he's not that great of a three point shooter. If they get a point guard, who's a good ball handler, a, a plus defender and a pretty good three-point shooter. That would be really good for the Sixers. I think that should be their their primary goal for this offseason is to get a point guard who is a good three-point shooter and at least a decent defender. <laughs> but I'm I'm ridiculously hyped for the NBA to return. It's going to be a little weird without crowd noise, but it's live basketball and it's going to be broadcast on ESPN. They'll figure something out. And they have the advantage of the teams calling the games from Orlando rather than calling from the studio and talking about literally anything else. Like they have been on the baseball broadcasts. Like please, for the love of God, Mike Breen talk about the game that is happening in front of you. Do not talk about 10 million other things like you're doing a studio show with an NBA playoff game in the background. Talk about the game that's happening in front of you. And I think the basketball commentators at ESPN are a lot better with that. But still, I feel it needs to be said because it's been a problem on ESPN's baseball broadcasts. But that's what I've got, and it feels so good to say this, for the NBA... Not just all of traditional sports lumped into one segment. I just talked for 22 and a half minutes about the NBA on its own. Yes. <laughs> That's what I've got for the NBA. Up next, we'll uh, dive on into some League of Legends and a very stupid decision that Riot made and reversed in what is basically record time for them. And the final two weeks of the LCS. We'll get into that up next here on the mashup. Okay, welcome back to the mashup. And despite the fact that sports are back and I enjoy talking about them, this show is sports gaming and everything in between. And I have enjoyed doing esports exclusive for the past three months since I uh, came back from my little mini hiatus in March and early April. But. There's still League of Legends to talk about. And, oh boy. This story is a bit of a spicy meatball. Uh, I apologize for that horrendous Italian accent. But this story, pretty nuts. This, this story is absolutely insane. Like, if you really think about it, this is a, this is a pivotal day for Riot. Because normally... They don't reverse course on bad decisions ever. And if they do, it takes a while. 
like the rare occasion they reverse course on a bad decision, it usually takes a couple months of the entire community complaining. This took 12 hours, maybe. Like I wake up and I see everyone talking about, well, the Guangzhou Charger sponsored by a pyramid scheme. And now this CSGO tournament and the LEC are sponsored by murderers. It's like, wait, what? So I go to the LEC's Twitter and they've announced this partnership with this thing I've never heard of. It's called NEOM. N-E-O-M. All caps. And I had no clue what that was. So looked it up and it turns out this is a Saudi Arabia project. Part of the whole Vision 2030 thing. Now, for people like me who tend to not give a crap about international geopolitics, I know a little bit more about Vision 2030 than the average person in my particular situation and level of interest in international geopolitics would. Because it has a connection to another thing I'm into, wrestling, and we won't get into all that. But because of my interest in wrestling, I know a little bit more about this. It is a project, the like the pet project of the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. And it's finally deciding to modernize that ridiculously wealthy, but incredibly backward country. <laughs> You know, they uh, they let women drive. They reopened movie theaters. And when they reopened movie theaters, the first movie they got in decades was the Emoji Movie. <laughs> you couldn't have given them a Marvel? You, you, you couldn't have given them a Marvel movie, guys? Uh, anyway. I know Marvel movies... Uh, show women being empowered but because i mean pepper black widow but you could have given them a better movie but it's part of that whole thing and i looked into it and neom is like it's going across borders like it's not going to be entirely in saudi arabia it's like this big futuristic city it's it's basically Tomorrowland from Disney World in the real world, but potentially and most likely backed by actual blood money. And they partnered with the LEC because they want sports to be a big part of it and they want esports to be a big part of that. They want esports to grow in Saudi Arabia. And um, I just have to say... I think that was a horrible idea. And for the most part, the entire League of Legends community agreed with me, including most people who work on the LEC broadcast. Like, producers, casters. Uh, Frostkern was pretty was pretty dramatic, as she should have been in, in her tweet about it, where she said, like, this one hurts more because it wasn't some faraway decision. Like, the LEC is my home, my family. This hurts more because I, I know who made this decision, and it hurts. Uh, one of their producers said, 
for the first time in a long time today, I'm ashamed and embarrassed. Uh, one of the other casters, who I'm assuming, based on his tweet, is possibly gay, said something like, uh, good to know my employers are partnering, partnering with a country that would kill me just for existing, which makes me think that's what he meant. And, yeah, I'd be really mad, too. Uh, I'm not even gay, and I'd be mad. <laughs> because, well, as a Christian, they would probably kill me, too. <laughs> I'm not allowed to be there, either. <laughs> or I couldn't do what I do. Like, I'd have to hide a part of myself. And that wouldn't be cool. Because I've I've seen that with the wrestling shows that happen there too. Like uh Rey Mysterio, famous luchador, one of the best to ever do it. His mask has a very particular design. And on that design there is a a cross that comes from like the top of his forehead down to the bridge of his nose and across his eyebrows. At the Saudi shows, he has to wear a mask without that on it. He he's not allowed to wear that thing, which is just kind of gross. And yeah, I'm glad Riot and the LEC pulled the plug on this partnership within about 12 hours because they should want no part of that. Some, some other CSGO tournament partnered with them too. I haven't heard anything about them backing out of that partnership. It is a much smaller organization than you know, one of the top four regions, regional leagues in the world for the world's most popular esport. It's some um, like tiny, relatively small CSGO tournament as opposed to the giant that is Riot Games in the LEC. But I'm glad they pulled the plug on this because whew, that would have been a bad look if they stuck with it. It's still a bad look that they did it, but in their statement, I get it. They they rushed into this decision, which I think is a bad idea for any business decision. Like, you should never rush into a business decision of any kind. Especially one that has the potential to be a tiny bit controversial. And, you know, maybe talk with the LAC staff and the broadcast crew who will have to say the name of this thing because they were sponsoring segments. Like, maybe check with the broadcast crew, make sure they're comfortable with this, comfortable promoting this thing, because in the end, they're the ones who are going to have to be promoting it. Like, Quickshot, Shocks, Frostgarn, the other LEC casters, like, they would have to promote this thing if it stuck around for the rest of the summer split. And if I'm them, if I'm in that situation, I'm not comfortable. I wouldn't be comfortable promoting anything to do with Saudi Arabia. <laughs> because that place kind of sucks. <laughs> they straight up murder journalists for criticizing them. They don't let women basically exist. They, they pretend women just, like, don't exist. And, yeah, they're, 
and they may or may not give money to terrorist organizations. So, uh, yeah, I want no part of, I would want no part of doing an ad read for them. Like, I would say, look, I am not doing this ad read. Like, I would, I would go to the producers and say, look, I am not going to do the ad read for Neon. Like, I'm not going to do it. And I'm sure that's what a lot of them did. Which, again, more power to them. Like, that, that should be a more common thing. Like, commentators should not have to do ad reads that they're not comfortable with. Now, a lot of times, especially in traditional sports, the ad reads aren't a big deal. Or heck, even, even in the LCS, the ad reads aren't a big deal. Like, the big sponsors for the LCS are State Farm, Honda, and Bud Light. Like, an insurance company, a car manufacturer, and beer. Even if I don't use those particular companies, like, I'm not insured by State Farm, I don't drive a Honda, and I don't drink Bud Light, I have no problem reading an ad for them. Like, I'll do an ad read for them. That's no big deal. A project of the Saudi Arabian government, I do have a problem doing an ad read for that. So... Even though it was a stupid decision to make in the first place, props to uh, Riot and the LEC for actually listening to their community and their people and pulling out of this partnership within a day of announcing it. Like, that is a new record for Riot Games. Like, we all call them Rito for a reason. They normally make some pretty dumb decisions despite making a very, very good game and a second, and now a second very, very good game. Despite the toxicity that exists in uh, both player bases. <laughs> but enough of that. The LCS is coming down to its final two weekends. And for the most part, I think the top two are pretty locked. I think the top two, Liquid and Cloud9, are locked in as one and two. Now, I don't think either of them are going to lose again for the rest of the season because look at who they're playing. This weekend, Liquid is playing Dignitas and CLG. They're not losing either of those games. Cloud9 is playing TSM and Golden Guardians. Now that they've lost three games by trying new strategies and stuff, they're going to they're not going to troll ban, they're not going to meme draft, they're going to pick their best champions that they can get. And they are going to absolutely stomp CLG and Golden Guardians. They play, or uh, TSM and Golden Guardians. They, they play Golden Guardians first. They play them, they play them Saturday. That's going to be an absolute bloodbath. TSM on Sunday may be a little bit closer, but Cloud9's still going to win that pretty easily because... In my opinion, TSM's a bit of a disaster, and I think most League of Legends fans would share that opinion. Despite the fact that they're third, they're a bit of a disaster. And they're they're kind of the gate they're in a similar way to Evil Geniuses, they're kind of the gatekeepers. They're the gatekeepers of the top two rather than the gatekeepers of the top half like Evil Geniuses are. But right now, I think Anyone from third to that three-way, that uh, two-way tie for seventh, could finish 
third place after the playoffs. I don't think they'll finish third place in the standings because there's not enough time to get from two games. Like there's, there is technically enough time, but they're two games back. So they would need to go. They would need to essentially go two and zero this weekend and have TSM lose both games, which who else are they playing? Could that be possible? No. Like hundred thieves or CLG, if they wanted to even catch TSM, they'd have to uh they'd have to go TSM would have to go what? Yeah, they'd have to even to even tie, they'd have to go 0 and 4 the rest of the split, and CLG and 100 Thieves would have to go 4 now to even tie in the standings. Which 100 Thieves could pretty easily. Now, what's their schedule? They got FlyQuest and Immortals. They could potentially go 2 and 0 this weekend, but I don't think they go 4 and 0 the the rest of the split. They could. Their their toughest challenge is Evil Geniuses. But CLG is absolutely not going uh, for now. The the rest of the way. Who who else do they have? They have they have Liquid. Yeah, they're losing that. And they have Golden Guardians. They could win that. And then they have FlyQuest. And their last game is Cloud9. There's no way CLG is going 4-0 to finish the summer split. But I'm saying playoffs. Like... They any any of those teams from TSM all the way down to Hundred Thieves could potentially make and win that third place game to determine the final spot for Worlds. I think the most likely outcome is probably I don't know if TSM will be able to do it. I think they might choke. I could see it being maybe FlyQuest and EG, uh, FlyQuest and CLG, FlyQuest Hunter Thieves. I think FlyQuest is probably going to get it because I think, despite their record, I think they are better than TSM. Or at least are capable of being better than TSM. Like, in a playoff situation, they are very capable of winning a best of five against TSM. I think a lot of teams in the LCS are. Other than, like, Dignitas and Immortals, who are probably going to get bounced in the first round of the playoffs anyway because they're not very good this year. Like They're the only two teams that, in my mind, don't have a chance for the third and final North American Worlds bid. Like, everyone else has a chance for that bid. TSM, FlyQuest, EG, Golden Guardian, CLG, 100 Thieves. All of those teams, those, what, one, two, three, four, five, six. Those six teams all very much have a chance for that third bid to Worlds. C9 and, and Team Liquid are getting one and two. It's just, who's going to be one, who's going to be two? I think one is probably going to be Cloud9 because I think... Again, in a playoff situation where they are only using their best strategies they can, depending on the draft, they're capable of destroying Team Liquid. They are in a best of five situation where they are drafting the best possible comp they can. They're going to beat Team Liquid. Probably in four games. 
Maybe in three. I don't know if they necessarily sweep, but they're, I don't think that even goes to five. I think that is a 3-0 or a 3-1 in, in C9's favor. But these, uh, these, these last two weeks, despite the fact that one and two are basically locked and those two teams are going to have to probably play a tiebreaker because I don't see either of them losing again. Because this weekend, their schedules are both pretty easy. Next weekend, Cloud9 has Dignitas. Team Liquid has Immortals. Then Cloud9 has CLG. And Team Liquid has TSM. Again, biggest challenge next weekend for Liquid is TSM. Biggest challenge for C9 is Counterlogic. Who C9 are very capable of stomping into the ground if they're playing their absolute best. Because I don't think they want to give up the top spot to Liquid. I think they want to make sure they at least have to play a tiebreaker with them. If they want to say to Liquid, if you want the top spot, beat us in a tiebreaker. And I think that's what it's going to come down to, just looking at their remaining schedule. Because they're both significantly better than every team they have remaining. Because, I mean, they both get... They both have another game against Dignitas. Team Liquid has a game, another game against Immortals. You think they aren't capable of winning that? They're very capable of winning that. Liquid's going to stomp TSM again uh, next Sunday, too. Like, they're both going 4-0 to finish this thing, and they're... They're going to finish at the absolutely insane record of 15-3. and three, Which is still a massive step down from spring for Cloud9. <laughs> it's a big jump up for Liquid, but it's it's a different team. They got they got tactical playing in the bot lane instead of double lift. But it's... I've said it before and I will say it again. It is going to be a fun last two weeks of the LCS regular season. Because... Oh boy. This is going to be fun. But that's what I've got for League of Legends up next. I still can't get over that I'm saying this. The NHL is back. Hockey has returned. We'll get into what I think about all that right up next here on the mashup. All right. It's hockey time. And in the words, slightly modified, of the great new Lou Nolan, I am in fact ready for some hockey. Oh God, I can't wait to hear him say those words again. He won't be in the bubble because he's the Flyers PA announcer, but in December, if that's if that's when the season does truly start and the NFL season goes well with fans coming in, and I can get to that that one of those first couple Flyers home games. If I can hear Lou Nolan say, Are you ready for some hockey? I will probably start crying. And I don't think I would be the only person in the building in that situation. But we're going to talk about the actual games, not just me projecting what's going to happen months from now when... Uh, when I can finally go to a Flyers game again. <laughs> but this 
It's it's finally happening. They they took the NBA's model and in my personal opinion improved on it. Because they didn't have access to the worldwide the wide world of sports in Orlando. They decided, no, we're going to go to two separate cities, one for the east, one for the west. So it's time zone friendly for the fans of those teams. Good on you, NHL. Because for time zone friendly games in the NBA for Western Conference fans, that game's going to have to tip off at 10 p.m. in Orlando. And they've all been there for a couple weeks, so they are very much on Orlando time. So that's going to be pretty rough. So the Western Conference teams are going to be in Edmonton. So they will be on the time zone they are used to and that their fans would be home watching TV, mostly. And same thing with the Eastern Conference teams in Toronto. Now, conference finals are all going to be, conference finals and Stanley Cup finals are all going to be in Edmonton. But the rounds before that, the, the Eastern Conference teams will have all their games in Toronto. And they have a couple hotels in downtown Toronto and downtown Edmonton, right near the stadium, basically completely blocked off for the players of various teams. And some teams get some hotels, some teams get the others. It's it's a pretty good setup. And they have, like, restaurants are coming and setting up in between the hotel and the arena so they don't have to travel farther into these these major cities and i've never been to edmonton but i've been to toronto and on the street in toronto it doesn't feel much different than new york you can tell it's smaller but on the ground at street level in toronto it doesn't feel much different than being in new york like at all so they don't have to travel all that far they can just go outside the hotel, right outside the hotel, get some food and come back to their rooms rather than just eating room service all the time, which is good. And they've got like, they blocked off BMO field in Toronto for outdoor stuff, which great idea. And BMO field has one incredible view. (laughs) BMO field has one heck of a view. Like, Good on the NHL for uh, for locking that one down. I mean, the Canadian national team and Toronto FC aren't using it, so why not? But this, the, they're calling them hub cities rather than rather than a bubble. Uh, the the term bubble's been thrown around with the NHL too, but they're technically called hub cities because there's there's more than one. But I am. So ridiculously excited for this playoffs because, sure, all the momentum is shot for every team in the NHL. But before the season shut down, my guys, the Philadelphia Flyers, were the hottest team in hockey. And they had the best odds to win the Stanley Cup, which in my admittedly short by comparison time of being a Flyers fan and I'm not a bandwagoner. I jumped on this team in 2011 
I did not jump on the bandwagon when they got good. They were decent-ish in 2011. And they have only gone downhill from there, and I've stuck with them. So, call me a bandwagoner all you want. I'm definitely not. Because I've stuck with this one team. I didn't jump across to the other side of the state. I didn't jump north to New York. I didn't go with the Bruins. I didn't go with the Caps. I stuck with my team. But right now, at like just based on how the season paused, they're one of the best teams to win. And now, a lot of their guys who are banged up are coming back. And from that scrimmage game, that exhibition game they had against the Penguins, they've still got it. And that was Brian Elliott in that, not Carter Hart. So, if Carter Hart's playing in the real games, look out. Because Carter Hart has turned into a legit goaltender. And Sean Couturier is going to win the Selkie for this year. He's an elite defensive forward. And I know I'm gushing on my team here, but this is the first time since I've been a fan of them that they're one of the best teams in the league. And I can't believe it. Like, we're probably going to get a battle of Pennsylvania in the uh, the first real round, which scares me a little bit because the Penguins have had their number the past couple of years. But the Penguins were also in a bit of a free fall before the season stopped. And I think, much like their, their neighbors, the Pittsburgh Steelers, their window is closing. And it is closing fast. Like, Crosby's not the player he used to be because of all the injuries. And he's he's getting up there. Like, he just turned 33 not that long ago. Like, he's getting up there. Like, he turned 33 earlier this month. And Malkin, same thing. Like, he's even older than Crosby. Their goaltending is a big question mark. Their defense is not great. Gensel's coming back, and he's playing out of his mind. But... I don't know if that'll be enough. And they were so focused on out-physicaling Tom Wilson that they gave up a lot of speed and regressed in the way they played hockey. So, and this is this could partially me be me just being a biased Fires fan who absolutely hates the Pittsburgh Penguins with everything I have. Like, they're on the same level as the Patriots to me possibly a little worse because I at least had a grudging respect of Tom Brady of Tom Brady. I have a blood boiling hatred of Sidney Crosby. Like there is no respect there. But overall, like there is a lot of potential for upsets, which worries me big time. Like the Flyers are guaranteed to get into what is essentially the real playoffs. Like you start here, and if you win 16 games from this point, you are Stanley Cup champion. From this point, if you win 16 games, technically, because you could technically win 16 and still lose. Well, no, because you'd still have to win. No, there's no possible way you could win 16 and not 
be Stanley Cup champion. So yeah, if you win 16 games from this point, you are Stanley Cup champion. And they're they're guaranteed to get into that. And I love this this playoff format. Like just ending the regular season but giving those teams that were still in the hunt but hadn't locked up positioning yet, giving some of those teams a chance to play for that in the uh, the play-in round was a pretty genius idea. And it gave you an actual round number of 24 rather than the NBA's kind of awkward 22 where it was also not 11 and, or 13 and 9 rather than 11 and 11. It was 12 and 12. <laughs> 12 from the East, 12 from the West. Now, that led to teams who didn't deserve to be there like the Canadiens and the Blackhawks getting in and the play-in round is going to be an absolute disaster for both of them because the Canadians are the Canadians are what playing the Penguins in the first round? Yeah, the Canadians are playing the Penguins and the Blackhawks are playing the Oilers. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, that depleted beat up Blackhawks team that has been stuck in cap hell for the past like four years. They're really going to stand up to Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, which I've said it before and I'll say it again. That is one of the best names in hockey. And that is one of the guys who like level of name awesomeness is equal to skill because Leon Dreisaitl is one of the coolest names in hockey. He's also one of the best players. He gets overshadowed a little bit by Connor McDavid, who right now is probably the best player in the world. He has, in my mind, he has taken that title from Crosby because even before the rest of the team stepped up around him, he was putting that team of losers on his back like him and Dreisaitl were just putting that team of losers on their backs and carrying them to wins they did not deserve. Now the rest of the team has gotten a little bit better around them and look where they are. They're in the playoffs. And they're a higher seed in the play-in round. So they probably would have made the playoffs anyway. Like, where were they in the standings? Oh, they were second in the Pacific Division. So, yeah, they would have they would have made the playoffs one way or the other. And the stupid corona robbed us of robbed us of like the most epic battle for Alberta in the playoffs ever. Now, they could still match up with each other, but the heat from those fights has probably died down a little bit because it's been, you know, 4 months over four months because the first one I think happened in January or February and it's not going to be in front of those absolutely insane crowds in Edmonds and in Calgary but I wouldn't be surprised if we got if we got a little bit of fisticuffs in a potential Edmonton versus Calgary Western Conference playoff series <laughs> If we got that, oh boy, sign me the heck up. 
because I would watch the heck out of that. Because that would be a bloodbath. And it's probably going to be anyway if they do actually meet up in the Western Conference playoffs. Like, it's going to be ugly. And it's going to be really fun to watch. Like, that's going to be 2012 Penguins Flyers. Which, my favorite playoff series of all time. First playoff series I ever watched ingrained the fact that I'm going to be a hockey fan for the rest of my life into my brain. Like, yeah. Give me more of that. With Even with other teams. Like, give me more of that. <laughs> because I don't think this year that that Flyers-Penguins battle will be as good. But there, there's other teams who have a, absolutely have a chance. Like, the Hurricanes 100% have a chance to do something pretty good. Like, that team is deep. They're really good. I mean, heck... They won with a Zamboni driver in net. Like, how many teams can say that? That they won with a Zamboni driver who works for the team they were playing against in net. God, that feels like it happened two years ago. No, that happened in January. But obviously, obviously the Caps... And the Bruins are going to be contenders as well because, I mean, they're the Bruins. But they've had they've had some issues in coming back because a lot of guys missed practice. Like, a good chunk of the team were rusty as all get out and weren't in shape to come back to practice yet. They're, they're slowly making their way back in, but that would be something to keep your eye on with the Celtics. I, after last year... I don't trust the Lightning at all. And Stamkos is injured again? Heck no. They aren't doing a thing. I could see I could see the Islanders doing some actual damage because they don't have that much star power, but they have a system that they have bought into and it works for them. Like, after Tavares left and went to Toronto, they were supposed to suck. I don't see any suck. Like, I don't see any sucking coming from the New York Islanders. They they need to get their own arena because Nassau Coliseum is a dump and Barclays Center is absolutely horrendous for hockey. Like, they need a better venue. I mean, I call... Nassau Veterans, Colise- Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum a dump because it is, but it is their dump. <laughs> like, it's the same with Joe Louis Arena and the Red Wings. Like, people have called Joe Louis Arena a dump, Mike Milbury, but it is Detroit's dump, or it was. Now, I say the same thing about Nassau Coliseum. Like, obviously, that arena doesn't play any kind of impact because there's not going to be a crowd and they're playing in Rogers center or air Canada center in uh, Toronto. And that's, that's all they're playing in. And that's probably a good thing for them. So keep an eye on the Islanders too. Like this, I think is me being biased. I think the flyers are going to win it. Like I legitimately think they're going to win it this year because general consensus and this is, again, coming from Flyers Twitter, so it could also be kind of biased. General consensus is only the Flyers could win a playoff this stupid. 
And honestly, that's fair. <laughs> because that would be the most Flyers thing ever. To win the first Stanley Cup in over in almost 50 years. It's been 45 years since they last lifted the Stanley Cup. I wasn't even born yet. It's another 19 and a half years before I was born. The last time they lifted the Stanley Cup. It would be just so typical of them to win the Stanley Cup when their fans can't even really get together to celebrate. Because even if they won it on the road, which would be very likely because Flyers, they would there would be an epic level watch party in the Wells Fargo Center that I would do everything in my power to get to. I mean, would have happened about a month and a half, would have happened almost two months ago, but I would have done anything in my power to get to the watch party for what would have been a potential clinching game. And it would have been like, there would have been people waiting at the airport for them to get back with the cup. (laughs) It would have looked like the Eagles Super Bowl celebration, riot, whatever the heck you want to call it. But I am, I am so ready for the NHL playoffs. And that video NBC Sports put out, narrated by Doc Emmerich, incredible. Like, Doc Emmerich is a wordsmith. I know he wrote that whole thing himself because it was too good to be written by anyone else. Like, if you haven't seen that video yet, go track it down because it will get you incredibly hyped for the NHL playoffs if you're even kind of a hockey fan. But that's what I've got for the NHL. Up next, we'll uh, get into some MLB stuff. Wrap up the show. That's up next here on The Mashup. All right, welcome back to The Mashup. Final segment of the show, and we got some baseball to talk about. They obviously came back first, and they had a bit of an issue. And despite their normally incredibly stupid decision-making, which we'll get into because they made an incredibly stupid decision. Shocker. I kind of respect the fortitude, the the balls, if you will, to just say, yeah, we can play without the Phillies for and Marlins for a while. Everyone who is supposed to play those two teams can just uh, play each other instead. Like, Everyone who is supposed to play the Phillies or Marlins can just play the team who was like whoever was supposed to play the Phillies can play the Marlins, whoever was supposed to play the Marlins, and vice versa. Problem is, that led to the hapless Orioles going from playing a four game set against the equally hapless Marlins to playing a two game set against the New York Yankees. Wonderful. And of course, they got the doors blown off of them. Because that's just what the Orioles do right now, is they lose. And they hope they get good prospects in the draft next year. Which, so far, they've done a good job of doing. I don't get to see the guys who got drafted play this year. But hey, they'll play with the Ironbirds next year. And if they're any good... 
they'll do the Adley Rutschman thing where, of course, they spend only two weeks with the Ironbirds. And before I get a chance to go see them in person, because I live maybe 20, 30 minutes from the Ironbirds Stadium, they move on up to the next level, which, while still close, rather than a half hour, it's about two and a half hours. The, uh, the Shorebirds. Then they go to the Keys, which... Frederick's even farther away. Yeah, it's... It's a pain when uh, Orioles players are going through the development system. It takes them a while to get close to me again after they leave the Ironbirds. And really, they don't actually truly get close to me again. And unless they make the big club... And are playing in Baltimore because that's the next closest team to me geographically. Maryland is shaped so weird. But yeah, I kind of respect the balls of Major League Baseball to just say, you know what? Everyone who is supposed to play the Phillies and Marlins instead of just having you not play for two weeks, you'll just play each other on those days instead. And the Phillies will just... The Phillies and Marlins will just have to sit out for two weeks. <laughs> and then they'll have a rush of games where they make it all up where, oh, you are supposed to play this team. You played when you were supposed to play the Phillies and Marlins. Well, you'll play the Phillies or the Marlins instead. And I kind of respect the quick thinking and mostly intelligent decision making on that. On the other hand... Major League Baseball went and Major League Baseballed again. And Joe Kelly, the Dodgers pitcher, immediately became a national hero for throwing at the Astros. He did not hit any of them, but he was very much buzzing them and definitely intentionally. But he never hit anyone. And he made a silly face, like a silly pouting face. And immediately became a meme when he struck out Correa on a nasty breaking ball that just had him swing and miss wildly. And that led to some jaw jacking, which uh, then led to a benches clearing quote unquote brawl, which I didn't think would be possible, but Hey, it's baseball and it still happened. And it felt so nice to see all of Twitter reacting to a benches clearing brawl despite the fact that there was you know no one in the crowd and joe kelly got suspended for eight games eight that's a lot in a 162 game season in a 60 game season you know what the equivalent would be in a full season 22 three weeks in a in a full 162 game season that would be equivalent to a a 22 game suspension that's really harsh for not actually hitting the guy now if he plunked him intentionally like in the head or something maybe heck i think eight would be harsh for that i in a 60 game season i would say five because that's still 12% of the season. 
Not 12%. One twelfth of the season. Like, that's a big chunk of games. I know he appealed, and it's probably going to get lowered a little bit, but why are you suspending the guy for throwing at the team who cheated and making a stupid pout face when he struck one of them out? And you didn't suspend the guys who cheated their way to a World Series, by the way. You didn't suspend the guys who cheated their way to a World Series for cheating. What? They cheated their way to a World Series, got nothing for it, and nine games worth of suspensions get handed down to the Dodgers for one pitcher throwing at them and making a stupid face when he struck one of them out. Iconic and so Major League Baseball to be that incredibly stupid. I hope Joe Kelly wins his appeal and he doesn't miss any games because really he didn't do anything wrong. He threw at a guy, didn't actually hit him. The guy started jawjacking him as he was just walking back to the dugout. It's not like it's not like he ran at him after he struck him out. He was walking to the dugout. And I know Dodgers or Astros quote unquote fans are mad about that, but generally when a pitcher strikes a guy out to end an inning, he walks to the dugout because his job has been completed and he can go sit down and get a drink and uh, watch his team do offense things. But Astros, quote unquote, fans, the ones who've only been watching baseball since about 2016, 2016, 2017, they, uh, they thought he was scared of Correa. Joe Kelly's taller than Carlos Correa, like, and he's a little bit bigger too. So he was not scared of him. He could have taken him in a fight if it came to that. No, he struck the guy out. The inning ended and he was walking back to the dugout. Correa started jawjacking him. He responded and then made that stupid, stupid pouty face, which was immediately gift and is now going to become one of the top reaction gifts in the entire world because it's just so good. But only baseball, only baseball could an entire team at the, who cheated at the organizational level basically get away with it, win a World Series because of it, and when the teams who got cheated take some measure of retribution, a mild measure of retribution at that, they get punished. That's like at school finally standing up to a bully and you get in trouble. That's the exact same situation. Rob Manfred is the crappy teacher who thinks the bully is just some perfect angel and you get in trouble for standing up to them. Oh God, that's, <laughs> that's a very repressed memory <laughs> that I, that I just pulled on to create that analogy, but yeah, it fits a little too well, doesn't it? <laughs> so congratulations, Rob Manfred. You are basically just a crappy principal. Good job. <laughs> 
You're going to kill baseball, by the way. You need to step down. But what do you guys think? Should Joe Kelly have been suspended? I think that answer would universally be no. But if you disagree, let me know why. Over on Twitter, at RealPatterson50, at Mashup underscore pod. Oh, yeah. And I've said it on the show before. I'm streaming on Twitch now. Uh, every night, except except Thursday nights. And I'm going to start doing daytime streams next week, starting starting on Monday. I'll have daytime stream, nighttime stream. And yeah, it's going to be a variety of games. Right now, I'm mostly working through the Halo campaigns, just as kind of a celebration of the build-up to Halo Infinite. But I've also done some COD multiplayer. I'll probably do some Halo multiplayer. I'll probably start to throw some other games in there as the Halo games start to wind down if Infinite isn't like about to come out. If, if Infinite and um, whatever the new Call of Duty is going to be aren't about to come out. But there'll be some other games thrown in too. They have to, I'm restricted to consoles at the moment. I, uh, I learned that lesson when my laptop completely froze on me when trying to stream Valorant. But I am streaming twitch.tv slash darksniper1230. Uh, the number's 1230. But follow me over there. I'll be streaming every weeknight. Usually about uh, 8, 9 to midnight, 1 o'clock. Uh, maybe a little later on Wednesdays. And no night streams on Thursday. It's a weird schedule. But I think it's one that, that works for me. And day streams starting next week. So if you want to go check that out, go follow me over there. But that is all I've got for today's show. Hope you all enjoy your weekend. Hope you all enjoy the return of sports. And I will talk to you on Tuesday. See you then.